welcome back, lads and ladettes, to episode 66. Um, man, we've gone far recently, Philly. We, we've said big things are coming, big things are on their way. Not quite yet, but we're, we're slowly picking up steam, man. Slowly picking up steam. So we're excited to come back for another episode. Yeah, we brought the heat so far this year, 2021. We had on uh, Marcus Phillips. We brought out Josh Goodwin to talk Raptors and NBA. And then we ended up having Matt Yee and AJ Skirving on to defend Waffles. And then we said, you know what? Where can we go from here? Oh, how about we get a professional soccer player to come and join us on the podcast? So that's a little lined up for, uh, for this episode. But as everybody knows, we do player intros and a little 1v1 competition. So for episode 66, we were thinking like, what do we do for like, how do we create an even competition for 66? Like we know there's one guy that comes to mind as soon as you say 66 and that's just the way Josh, it is. I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, <laughs> but we're like, who, who could we possibly put up against this guy that we would even have a fair shot at picking or like what competition could they do? And the answer is there isn't one. There's nobody that could beat this one player. And, and who is that guy? Who's the, it's like definitely, the one guy? it's definitely not Josh. I was saying, uh, it's, <laughs> it's Mario Lemieux, man. Like nobody yeah. can beat him in anything. One, yeah. the guy is so skilled Two, he's like six foot six, like 230 pounds. <laughs> or like, I didn't even bother doing the bat, like the, the size and weight and like history and awards. Cause it's, Mario it's Lemieux, Mar- man. It's just you, Mario I know Lemieux. he's a rig and I know he's a talented ass guy. So like, there's really no, there's nobody that could beat him in anything. No, there's no way around it. It's and just, the guy had cancer, beat it, and then played it but like professionally again. And I'm pretty sure he was like one of he came back and he was one of the best players in the league. Like as soon as he came back, yeah, like there's just yeah, there's no stopping him. So like there's just no point of even making a competition because that would just be unfair to the other person. So this is just episode <laughs> exactly. 66, the Mario Lemieux episode. So yeah, let's not waste any more time. And we've got a great interview lined up here. We learned a lot about professional soccer, uh, college soccer, and then even just like getting to go and play and represent Canada and men's national team. So that being said, let's head over to our, uh, our interview with Alistair Johnson. Joining us now on the Lads and Launchers podcast, an 11th overall selection by the Nashville SC Expansion Club in the 2020 Super Draft. He played four full seasons of Division I soccer, starting with St. John's University, being named to the Big East All-Freshman team in his first year and being tied for the team lead in points in his second season. He then transferred to Wake Forest University, where he captained the team in his final season, making it all the way to the Final Four of the NCAA Tournament. He currently plays for Nashville SC and has just returned from Canada's senior national team camp. Welcoming to the show, Alistair Johnson. Alistair, how's it going, buddy? Wow, you guys make me sound better than I could ever make myself sound, so appreciate that. (laughs) How's it going, boys? How are we doing? Pretty good. Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. We, uh, we like, tried to catch up with you for a little while, and, like, things kind of just weren't working out just based on where you were at in soccer and with us trying to sort some things out with school and work and whatnot. But I think it kind of ended up out perfectly at this point because now we have even more to talk to you about of all the different things you've gone through. Go. So, uh, I want to start from the beginning. Uh, you started playing soccer at a young age. Uh, if you go on, like you have a full Wikipedia written up about you, kind of where you started and how you got oh, going. Um, was soccer always like your main passion? Was it the only thing you played or did you play other sports along the way? Well, it's funny you bring that up, Zach, because Zach, if anyone wants to know, was my first ever rep team goalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was in there. But like everyone else on that team, I'll tell you what, by the age of 13, everyone was gone because they all quit uh, to play AAA hockey. So where we grew up, uh, Roar, Ontario, it was big. It was it was soccer, whatever you were doing in the summer, and then it was always hockey in the winter. So for me, it was the same. Unfortunately, I just wasn't very good at hockey. You know, single A was kind of my peak, I want to say. I think that was my highest level. Everyone else was playing AAA or York Simcoe, wherever you guys were, Mark Waxer, I want to say a couple of guys were. Um but soccer was definitely my biggest passion for sure. Cause I realized like, all right, you know what? I'm probably a little better at this than I am at hockey. Um, and growing up in a more of a soccer family, it was kind of always the thing that, that I always leaned towards. And for me, watching hockey was always a fun pastime, but the best thing for me was on the weekends, waking up and watching the premier league and stuff like that. That was always the thing that kind of piqued my interest the most. Um, so soccer was definitely my main passion, but yeah, I did, I did play a lot of hockey growing up. And I think uh, I kind of try and bring some of that into my, uh, 
to how I play soccer with, I'm a bit more of a physical guy. When you see a Canadian guy, you're always a little curious, like what's he doing on the, on the grass and on the ice. Um, so I definitely yeah. try to try to hit, hit some guys. I'm a, definitely a more physical defender than a lot of guys um, would be in my position, but you know, that's just, that comes with the, uh, comes with the part from growing up in Canada. You know, you have to be a little tougher and, and definitely playing hockey. And that's probably the biggest part I miss is that I was always a fourth line grinder. I was never anyone pretty <laughs> it was get in front of the net. It was leave some late checks, um, get pucks deep. You know, it was the simple stuff for me back in the day, but yeah. So those are the two sports I always played growing up. And I unfortunately had to give up hockey uh, once soccer really became a full-time sport as well. But at the same time, pretty much my team folded because everyone else decided, you know, we're going to have to give up soccer to focus on hockey. So that was my super, those are the beginning years, I guess you could say of, uh, of my sport life. So at what point did you give up uh, hockey? And then like, I guess the second part to that would be, do you, do you kind of, think that focusing on one sport is something that is beneficial to people or would you kind of think that having obviously for you where you're at in your career right now I don't think you would change anything but like do you <laughs> yeah, think it is beneficial well. <laughs> to people to be able to keep playing second like a secondary sport higher up into their into their life and further on yeah so I quit hockey I was around I quit competitive hockey around 13 or 14 and then I played a couple years of house with my older brother which was a good time until probably 15 or 16 I honestly think it's great to play as many sports as possible at a young age and really kind of, you know, you, you learn different ways, uh, different ways to play different games. And you get, you really kind of get an all round, uh, all encompassing approach to what kind of sports you want to play and what you think you'll be best at. Um, and for me, like I made tons of different friends playing different sports. Um, and also I, I think you truly, you kind of mold your body to different sports. I'll tell you what, I go on the ice now my legs are exhausted after because using all these different <laughs> muscles, um, yeah. so much more core, so much more pushing. Um, and I think that was something that also really helped me from a young age. It's like, I was never a big kid. Um, still not, I'm still not a huge guy, but always from a young age, I always kind of had bigger legs in soccer too. It's just because like I had the cardio from all the soccer running, but then I also had like thicker legs just because of all the cutting and, and the pushing off and the blade work that you do in, in hockey is just a different level, you know, all the crossover and everything that we were doing. So like, I think it gave me a good base in terms of core and all that stuff. So honestly, I, I completely lean towards like, if you can play as many sports as possible, but there is going to be a time um, if you really want to specialize in something and you really want to have a go at a sport, it's normally around that 13, 14, 15 years old, where you're going to have to make some hard decisions. Um, yeah. And everyone does it. I mean, you did it at a really young age. Uh, my younger brother, who's also a really good hockey player, he gave up, he decided to give up hockey to try and be like me. I know a lot of people in Aurora thought that was a terrible decision because he was actually good at hockey, um, but he's a great soccer player as well. So it, 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 that decision is going to have to come at some point. Um, but for me, I would tell people to just, you know, prolong it as long as possible because it, it's also a nice escape when, especially when you're a high, a super high performance in one sport. You know, for me, going to play hockey was like, it was kind of, you know, like I'm going to go out and really enjoy this. You know, there's not as much pressure. There's not as much expectations put on just you. Just for the like, fun of it. Yeah. I'm playing single A hockey with the boys. Like I'm just going to go like, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm just going to go out and have some fun. Exactly what it was. It's pretty much a beer league at 13. It's like we're just having a good time. And, and I think that's such a great outlet for people because when you're putting so many hours in, in your, in your main sport, like you kind of need that release. So I would say, yeah, definitely play as many sports as possible until, uh, until your coach for that main sport says no more yeah so once your team folded in aurora and like you said not a traditionally big soccer market up there more so focusing on the hockey what was next for you? your team was folded and you kind of at that point you decided soccer is what you wanted to pursue so where did you go from that from there with no with no club and what was the next step well, the next step then was all right i've been a pretty sheltered aurora boy my entire life you know playing with my hometown team playing with the kids i grew up with and a lot of these kids yeah you play soccer in the summer you go to school with and then you go play hockey with so like this is kind of almost like it's a bit of a family in a lot of ways so like leaving that was definitely gonna make the first step i'm like all right if we're gonna succeed in this this is gonna be the baby step that's gonna keep going and going so for that the next step was just okay i gotta find a team where i'm gonna play and and at that point in my career it was we needed to find somewhere where the coaching was going to be a high level and the players and the players were going to be high level. Cause at that point, like games are one thing, but it's all about the training. Like you're training six times a week you're playing one time a week. Like at the end of the day, if the training's not good enough, you're not going to progress. Cause you're 13, like 14, 15. These are the years that you really need to take those steps um, in terms of progression. So 
for me, I went out, I went to Richmond Hill Raiders who were, we were a pretty stacked team as well. And, and after one year, that team also folded because they all went to TFC's Academy, which opened up that year. And I was like, you am I the, am I an enigma or something? You know, like everyone just leaves after one year when I'm there, but um, so yeah, that team then left, but that was an, an astounding team. I'll tell you what, you look back on that roster, tons of guys still playing pro to this day. Um, and lots of guys have gotten their chance, which has been a, been a good thing but for me it was always you know what um I've never been someone that likes to be somewhere where I get comfortable um and I kind of realized that as I grew in age is that as soon as I get comfortable I, I can sense myself starting to plateau a little bit it's like this the whole situation is too easy you don't feel you don't feel that drive necessarily you, you never feel if you don't feel uncomfortable you're not ever going to push yourself and that was yeah. uh, that was a big thing for me is that my next kind of move after that the next big one was over to um, Vaughn. Uh, I had a quick pit stop at A&B Academy, but then I went to Vaughn. And I'll tell you what, I was, I was 16. And I remember walking into the first training session and it was an absolute zoo. I mean, we had guys from all over Southern Ontario and guys who were pros. We had guys, the range, I was the youngest by far. And it went pretty much from 17 to 23 year olds. And like some of these guys are ex pros or pros right now. They're just back training their off season. I'm a 16 year old, little, little light kid getting thrown out there going, all right, yeah, welcome to Vaughn. Welcome to uh, Vaughn Hotels, what they called it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So that was like the next big step for me is that like, okay, you know what? Like there is a bit of hierarchy here, you know, like you got to have to, you have to show some some grit and show that you you belong. Um, and that was really a big thing for me, especially like those ages. Again, you need to tune yourself physically and the technical stuff, but it's such a mental game too. And, and the training I got there, just learning from those guys and learning like what it really takes, like, easily any day could have said no this isn't for me anymore let's pack it up let's call it a day but it was never that it was always like you know what I love this challenge like I can feel myself getting better and like every day you have to push yourself because otherwise you just wouldn't fit in and you get made yeah. fun of it was it was as easy as that so those are kind of my next steps um, before going down to college so why was it that you never ended up going into the TFC program? Like we went to Bill Carruthers and we were surrounded by tons of guys of all ages who filtered through there and transferred or made the move from their youth clubs into the TFC Academy. And that just never, was never something that you went through. Was that a personal decision that you didn't want to? Was there a lack of interest? Like what, why was that the case? I would love to say it was a personal decision, but it really wasn't. Um, it was funny. So like we had a starting 11 and I was starting on that Richmond Hill team. And they took 10 guys, the other 10 starters and not me. I was tiny. I mean, you remember me back in the day, I, I didn't grow much until I got to uh, university, actually, even then my right. first year university, I was 135 pounds playing a defensive mid. It was a little, it was a little egregious to be honest that I was even out there. I looked like a child. Um, so they always, it was always that thing with me. It was always going to be a size problem. And, but you see, like I, I took it as a, as a challenge, you know, it was like, all right, you, that's fuel for me. It's like, all right, you don't think I'm big enough. Well, someday I will be. And if that's going to be your only reason, then I'm going to get better technically. I'm going to be better in all these different aspects of my game so that that can no longer be an excuse. And I tell you what, I, it was great. I heard that, that line so many times and the number of coaches, whether it was like regional teams, provincial teams that always kind of just push me off TFC. Like, you know, it's just, we don't see you here. We don't see you as a pro. And, and yeah, it was, it was fair credit. Those kids that went to Bill Crothers and, and were in that Academy um, at that time, great players, but a lot of those guys, you know, it's, a lot of their careers never really made it to that next step. And, and yeah. that's kind of the thing is that I always saw it as like, I would rather peak in my twenties than at the age of 16. I don't want to be the best 16 year old ever that didn't make a single dollar. that didn't get the chance to play for their country or didn't get the chance to play uh, professionally. I didn't want to be that kid. You know, I was like, you know yeah. what, if that's what it's going to take, like, perfect. This is just another little hurdle, another bump in the road, but I'll get there. Everyone has their own path. And I knew my path was going to be a little different than most, but you know, it was, it was another little, yeah, it was just another obstacle that I had to overcome. And I look back on it and I wouldn't have done it any differently. Uh, I just want to touch on quickly. You, you had a little stop in with uh, A and B football, as you mentioned there. And then I was reading online that you ended up through A and B, you earned a tryout with a pro team in the French league. Is that, is that accurate? It was, it says the Troyes AC. Yeah, so I went over, um, yeah, I was 15. I went over to Estac Trois, which is just outside Paris. Um, I spoke a little bit of French. Definitely wasn't the level needed to be to stay over there, but I went over <laughs> there for trial for a couple weeks. Uh, tell you what, it was a great time, um, but you really realize, like, wow, like, soccer in Canada versus football anywhere else in the world. It's like, especially France, a huge footballing nation. It's like, wow, yeah. these guys take it seriously. Like, And I realized really what it was going to take for me at that point, like, 
I was trying to get my high school education out. And I was going to go to, I was planning on going to college, um, getting a degree. And I went to the, over there and I saw the life these kids were living. I'm like, man, these kids wake up to the field, grind back classes with absolute parentheses around. Like he, he came and called in classes what some <laughs> yeah. of them were doing. It's and the then right back out high school the program. Field. Yeah, exactly. The London Knights. Yeah. We all know that one. Um, yeah. I remember Cliff Poo going to that one, a couple of the other guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it was exactly that. It was just like, man, am I really, really going to be fully committed? Cause like at that point, again, I was still young. Um, I hadn't fully made up my mind. Obviously I wanted to be a professional soccer player, but it still seemed like a lot of like a big pipe dream at that point. Um, so it was like, if I really go down this road and I commit to going to France at the age of 16, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to come back to Canada at the age of 19 or 20. And I'm not going to have a high school degree potentially. Like yeah. that was something my mom was not exactly jumping <laughs> for, as you can probably imagine. Um, so it never really ended up being something that I was fully committed to jumping towards, but it was a great opportunity. And it really opened your eyes to like, all right, if you want to do it, this is the level of commitment it's going to take. And it's also nice to see the level over there. Like, all right, let, what do a league uh, academy kid that's my age look like in comparison? You know what? It wasn't that big of a difference, which was a nice feeling for a change when you always look at like, can I use soccer player? All right. So I would say it's like, if you're the best hockey player growing up in Canada, you're one of the best hockey players in the world. If you're one of the best, uh, soccer players growing up in Canada, who cares? Like, who are you still? So right. it was kind of cool to go over there and see, you know, like we're really we're not that far off. You know what? Like it's not, not, not that crazy, but jump to that level. So that was also a really cool learning experience that I saw over there. So with that extra motivation kind of coming from France, uh, you end up playing for league one uh, for Von Azuri. And for those who don't know, it's a, like a semi-pro league in Ontario. Yeah. So, what was this? What was the skill level difference? Kind of jumping one. You were playing with Vaughn for OISL. What was the skill difference, and and why did you um, choose to stay with Vaughn? Was it a development thing again, like you mentioned earlier? So Vaughn is just—it's a great melting pot, I'd say. It's it's where all the best players come to play. That whether they were kicked, like you know, the TFC turned them away at some point. They were—we always were called the misfits. So it was pretty much all the best players um, that were still playing from the ages of 18 to 25. Um, would come and, and would join it, Vaughn, and you would show up to a training session. You wouldn't know if there's going to be 10 guys there or 70. Uh, so it was always fun like that, but it was a great level. The coaching staff was unbelievable. Um, I still go back there and train um, whenever I'm home. Um, they have so many connections and, and just great guys. And, and it was great to be able to get the opportunity to play for that League One team. I was 17. I was still a young kid. Um, and I'm getting to play in a semi-pro league, which didn't hurt. You know, and, and the biggest thing for me where there was – you're no longer playing against other kids. You know, it's not 16 versus 16 year olds. It's 17. You're going up against a 28 year old. Um, and again, that's, it's just another, another part of your game that you need to add in. It toughens you up. Um, and those are great opportunities. And those really, that was when I'd say I took the most molding into my career. I'd say I was like the biggest influential part of my career um, was probably when I was about 16, 17 playing at Vaughn and really getting thrown into the fire a little bit. Um, and, and that's when you kind of realize like, all right, is it something I really want to do or if it wasn't? And for me, that was when it was like, yeah, this is, this is the plan and, and I'm going to make this work however, whatever it takes. So then, uh, I guess like kind of at the beginning of transferring to league one and like making that move is when the recruiting process starts for division one schools. Um, at what point, I guess, did you start to realize that division one was going to be a possibility for you? And then how did the recruiting process kind of start? Did teams start reaching out to you? Did you have to go searching for teams? Like where, where, like, how did that begin? So again, every single year in Canada, the, the level has gotten higher and higher in terms of soccer and the recruitment. Um, and that's, that's just all due to the past years doing really well. And, and coaches going, you know what, like there is talent up there. I'm going to go up and look. And again, that comes down to my Vaughn staff having great connections. That was one of the biggest things is, um, when I went there, as I knew, they had a, a history and kind of a pipeline of setting guys down at D1 um, to play D1 soccer. And that was a big thing for me. I wanted to get my education paid for. And I I'd always, I was a big college sports fan. I mean, I love watching college football, college basketball. And I was like, man, like I can go to a school where I can get to go to those games. I'd be pretty sick. Yeah. Um, so that was always something that was in my mind. And, and recruitment was a little difficult for sure. Um, I was still kind of at the beginning of uh, the Canadian pipeline, I guess you could say there'd been a couple years prior, but still not a ton of big schools were looking like the big one. The biggest one that would come up normally would be Syracuse just because it's so close to home or maybe Michigan or Michigan state. Other than that, a lot of the countries, uh, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the schools further South would just kind of recruit um, nationally or go overseas to Europe. Um, so for me, yeah, it started around 
end of 11th grade, I realized I'm like, you know what, like, I think I'll have a chance. Um, and it was always kind of my plan was to go down South, but you know, I was like, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Um, keep my options open. But as soon as 12th grade started and the recruiting process really got going, and then I started taking some visits to some uh, D1 schools and you're like, wow, like this is going to be fun. Like I, I went down to one down in Florida um, and I was like, man, I could be just sipping some pina coladas on the beach and doing my schoolwork and then uh, and then going to the field to play pickup under the palm trees. I'm like, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, so it was a pretty cool moment once you realize like, wow, and they're going to pay for my education. Like, are you guys kidding me right now? Um, yeah. So that was really cool. So 12th grade was a bit of a whirlwind at that point. You know, I kind of like, all right, school, uh, you can take a take a backseat for a second. I know I'm going to graduate. I did my SATs and all that. I'm like, I'm going to get into the school. I'm fine. Um, so then the big, the big thing was just the commitment process and all that and going on all your visits and just trying to pick the best choice. Um, so I ended up going to St. John's. I wasn't heavily recruited. I was hurt my senior year, um, which didn't help. And again, as you guys probably know already, I was undersized, I was a small dude. Um, but no, St. John's is a great fit for me. Um, played in the big East, which is a huge conference. Um, and yeah, I got to live in New York city. Um, it was crazy. I lived in Jamaica, Queens, uh, the same neighborhood where 50 Cent was shot. Um, so my parents were a little nervous dropping me off there at the age of 17 in the summer. Uh, but no, I had a great two years there. Um, and that kind of was the next step into going to Wake Forest, which was which was always my aspirations, um, was to get a college degree, a really good college degree. And Wake Forest was a, a top 20 school in the nation, and still is. Uh, and they were the number one team in the nation for soccer. And if you watch them play, they, they pride themselves on playing Wake football, as we like to call it, Wake footy, which is our version of, you know, the Barcelona kind of ticky tack, lots of possession. And that was something that always kind of in, intrigued me, I guess you could say, as, uh, as a player who likes to think of myself as someone that likes to play with the ball and, and keep it on the deck. So that was a great fit for me. And when they came calling to transfer there, it was, it was a no brainer. Um, and then, yeah, I had another great two years there. Um, so that was just a brief one of my college career. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how the recruitment process goes. It's it's a wild one. I'm not 100% sure how it, how it works with the hockey. I haven't talked too much to Cam Wright and some of the other guys that I played with a long time ago about how they did it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a nerve-wracking experience because there's lots of dollars that you're not 100% sure where they're going and, and you're always kind of held in the dark. But uh, it really helped for me to have a good coaching staff at Vaughn who, who had the connections, who could call these guys up. They, he'd show me his contacts like, yeah, which school do you want me to call? I'm like, all of them, you know, like, right, what <laughs> yeah. are you saying? You know, it was one of those ones. So I had, I had some great connections. I'll tell you what, like, I owe a lot to Vaughn for getting me down there and getting me an education. Uh, they're definitely the, the real ones that, that helped that. Was there uh like, could you explain what the, a visit is like, what a typical visit is to a school? Um, both my sisters are at school in the States right yeah. now. So I kind of have some idea, but I know listening to like Spit and Chicklets, they have guys through there who went on NCAA visits and they tell some stories. And I've heard other guys who went on visits for all different kinds of sports, but would you be able to break it down a little bit? What a typical visit is like? Yeah. So each school is going to do it a little differently. Um, So my first one, when I went to St. John's, that was a fun one because they put me, uh, my mom flew down as well. She wanted to see the school. Uh, they put me in a, a hotel overlooking Times Square, and this was right after New Year's. Um, so they had like the whole New Year's Eve ball out and stuff. Um, it was a beautiful hotel. I was like, all right, this is a decent start. Coach yeah. picked me up, drove me around downtown, showed me some of the things in New York City. And then they take me back to the school. Um, they'll give you a bit of a walkthrough of what they expect out of the program, what they see. They'll show you all the facilities, um, show you around campus. Um, and then sometimes you'll meet the team. Um, but the thing is it has to be super short. Um, I can't remember the exact, I'm pretty sure they're 48 hours max. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a whirlwind. You go down there and you have to kind of like, you have to really take it all in and see like, can I see myself here or not? Uh, and then my next one at wake, when I was transferring, um, went out with the, you'll go out with a couple of the guys I already committed. So they knew I was coming. So I went out with some of the guys, um, to dinner with the coaching staff, then uh, oh, we had a nice big party, of course. Um, that's that's only a traditional one with a with a visit, especially if you know that they're a guy who is okay drinking alcohol and and is, enjoys a party per se. Um, they'll definitely normally throw a party, um, go out, you'll meet the girls, you're gonna kind of get a vibe <laughs> of the campus. I'll tell you what, at my wake one, I woke up on the wrong side of campus, um, and I don't know how I got there, and I had a flight the next morning. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't even know where I was hung over as shit. Oh my goodness. Had to find my way back across campus. Um, somehow get into the dude's room who had my stuff. 
grab my stuff. I, I was so lucky. The only reason why they were awake is because they were going to a darty right after. So they'd already started drinking for the nice. darty. I was like, that's that's lovely. So that was the only reason I was actually able to get in that room. Because I was like, I banged on the door. I was like, please, like if I can't get my stuff, like I can't get on my flight. Yeah. Um, so luckily, I banged on. He literally just opened up the door and he had a he had a two four in his hand. I was like, you're kidding me right now. Like this guy's <laughs> these guys are insane. But like, oh yeah, well thanks for having me and all that. And I, I was like, oh my god, I want to go here. This seems yeah, like a I'm home. like a solid place. <laughs> yeah, I'm home exactly. I was like, you guys win and you do this. He's like, yeah, like we enjoy winning. Don't get it wrong. I was like, okay, yeah, sign me up. Where do I go? So that was my one at Wake, which is a little different um definitely a little blurrier i'd say um in terms of the details but for a good reason uh could you just like take us through a little bit about why you decided to transfer you touched on just the fact that how good of a school uh wake forest is and then how good of a program they had but you're you're you were doing really well at st john's you had been named to the big east all freshman team and then you were tied for the team lead in points in your second season but then you decide to leave and move on to wake forest like uh could you take us through like did you decide to leave? Had Wake Forest been contacting you to come there? Like what, what went into that? So Wake Forest wasn't allowed to contact. So this is before okay. the transfer portal, which portal, which came in about two years ago now. So I decided, I said, after my sophomore year, I was like, you know what? It's time for me to go and challenge myself a little more in the classroom. And if I really want to have a go at being a professional soccer player, like I need to go to one of these big schools that, that trains like a pro. And, and that was the biggest thing for me about Wake is uh, at St. John's, the top, the starting 11 solid could compete, but in your training sessions, it's not just about the starting 11, you know, it's about the next 11. Yeah. It's all about, if you're going to play 11 v 11, you know, the level needs to be high. And at wake, like I came and I went on my visit. And I remember seeing him like, man, this kid played for the U S youth national team and he's red shirting. Like he's not even getting a chance to play. Like he's not even allowed to dress. I was like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Like the depth that these guys had, the talent they're able to acquire is just insane. And I was like, you know what, if I really want to take that next step and really have a go, um, at being pro, like I, my training level, everything just needs to be a little harder and it needs to be in a more professional environment. And that's what Wake offered. Um, and I could feel myself at St. John's, you know, like I had a good first year and I had a good second year, but I could feel myself plateauing a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'm not really developing tactically and I'm not really developing as a player that, like, that I need to be, you know, you're 18, 19, yeah. like these are big years. These are important years. I mean, you look over, I remember watching the world cup, Kylian Mbappe is scoring, scoring the world cup final. And he's my year. He's a 98. I was like, man, and I'm over here, you know, just not getting better. So it was, it was definitely a, a step that needed to be done. And, and thankfully, when I said, you know, I wanted to transfer, it wasn't an easy process. The coach at St. John's really wanted me to stay and it didn't make it exactly easy for me to go. Um, but luckily, um, I was able to get a release to talk to Wake Forest. They flew up um, before they actually had the release to talk to me. He flew up, the coaching staff flew all the way up to Toronto. We put on a an exhibition game the Vaughn team did. Um, so 11 v 11, uh, me and a couple of other, other college guys were home for Christmas break. We played. Um, Bobby Muse, the head coach of Wake Men's Soccer, was staying on the sidelines, liked what he saw. Couldn't even talk to him. After the game, he went out, talked to my coach in the parking lot. I had to walk right by him, couldn't say anything. He then gets right on back on a flight back uh, back down in North Carolina. And then a week later, finally, my release came through. So he was allowed to talk to me. He called me and instantly like, what were you doing at this moment? Like, what was your thought process? Like, he was like breaking it all down. I was like, man, I love this. I was like, I eat yeah. that stuff up. I was like, all right, good. You know, someone who's going to have a go at me. And the best part was they said like, Hey, we're not guaranteeing you anything. You're coming in. At this point, I was still playing um, the center of the park center midfield. And they had the best midfielder in the nation. He was the number one ranked player in the nation. And they had two other returning guys who were in my class. Um, so he's like, yeah, we're not guaranteeing you any minutes. Um, but if you come here, you're going to have a chance to get better. And I was like, yep, yeah, sign me up. Like, I never, never been someone that wanted to have anything given to them. So that was a pretty easy decision. And also, educationally, another easy decision. I, I really wanted to further myself and I wanted to get a good degree. I wanted a degree that, you know, if soccer does, does stop, which it will at some point, you know, I'll have a chance to, to you know, earn some decent dollars doing something else, which I might not love as much, but uh, that was important to me. So, and especially my parents. Um, so I was good. I was able to graduate from uh, Wake Forest with a degree in economics, which was nice. So hopefully I'll maybe be using that not too soon in the future, hopefully a little further down the road, but yeah, yeah that, was, that was the decision. Yeah. yeah it's in the back pocket. It's somewhere. That's a diploma <laughs> somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, so the next year after that, uh, your final year of school, you get named captain of the team. What was that like? What was the event? Well, one, you came in kind of with no expectations. So I, can, I can't even imagine what, was, what it was like to, to be named captain of that same team where you weren't promised anything. 
was it, did you feel a lot of pressure in that role or was it more of a, like a welcomed thing, like a challenge that you were ready to take on? Um, you know what? The, the initial reaction was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, Cause I, I'd only been there a year and a lot of the guys, they come in a semester early before their freshman year. So a lot of the guys in my class who were going to our senior year. I've already been there for three and a half years. And wow. instantly I'm like, man, I've been here one year. I'm going to be a captain. I'm like, but the thing was, the cool thing was, is it was the players voted. And then the coaches made the final decision. So it was really cool. You know, I was like, originally I was like, man, like, am I overstepping my boundaries here? Like, but then I realized I'm like, these guys voted for me. Like they're the ones that see it in me. And I was like, man, that is, that was such a cool moment. You really realize like these guys want me to be their captain and they see me as their captain. I was like, you know, that's a pretty cool moment um, for me, especially being still relatively new to the program. Um, So, you know, I saw it as like, just I was just immensely proud I mean that's one of my dad's like favorite things man. like he who cares about me getting drafted he's like man like you went into a place historically good um soccer program and you were the captain within within 12 months like that's a pretty cool thing and you know I hold that one pretty close to my heart as well like it's it's something that uh that I hold pretty close you know it's it, it was just a cool moment and, and being able to go out there and wear an armband it's the same in hockey like wearing that senior jersey it just you feel a little different you're like you know what the eyes are on me. Like I need to perform, you know, you can't have those moments where, you know, you let yourself down, you let your team down. He's like, no, like I'm a leader. I'm a leader by example. I'm a leader vocally and I'm a leader on and off the field. And that was, it's a really cool moment for me. And, and, and really kind of set me, you know, really set the expectation that bar as high as I want it to be for that senior year. And, and it went well for me. I'll tell you what I took it on and I didn't see it as added pressure. I saw it as like, look at this, like this is another opportunity. And, and what a great chance to be able to represent my family, myself, uh, and this program to be the captain of it. So you kind of got to experience a bunch of cool things in that senior year, going from you in your first year at Wake Forest of this, I think it was 17 games that you played that year. You didn't start a single one. Mm-hmm. And then your fourth year, you started every single game that you played in. You end up being named captain. And then on top of that, you guys go to the NCAA tournament and there you experience some things you had ne- probably never experienced before in your life. And that being, one of the big ones, uh, you played against your brother and your brother, for those who don't know, is three years younger. He was playing his freshman year right at Maryland. Yep. And you guys knocked them out of the NCAA tournament. And if I'm not wrong, <laughs> I think you scored the game winning goal that game, right? Not in that game. Unfortunately, if I did, oh my goodness, he never would have heard the end of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be yeah, ultimate no, bragging rights. <laughs> trust me, it was bragging rights no matter what. So that was, yeah, my senior year was crazy. Um, this team and Wake had always been known as being the number one team throughout the entire regular season. And then we always kind of choked it a little bit, you know, whether it was the sweet 16 or the elite eight, we kind of struggled. Um, so this senior year, I was like, man, this is my last chance at it. Like, and as soon as I saw the the draw came out, I was sitting in class and I remember looking over my phone, my phone just started blowing up and I was like, what happened? Like, did we not get a number one overall seed? Like what's going on? And I check, it's like, yo, you need to look at it. We're going to play your brother. So it's like, if they beat Iona, they then play at Wake Forest. I was like, no way. I literally, as soon as that happened, I texted him. I'm like, you got to win. Like, you got, he's like, oh, trust me. We're going to, we'll handle I- Iona. Uh, and it was great. Yeah. So I was my senior year. So my last year, and he was in his freshman year. Um, he played in the big 10. I played in the ACC. So there never really was a chance for us to play against each other. This was the only chance was if we got lucky um, in the NCAA tournament. And I'll tell you what we did. They won their game. They took care of business. And that was a super cool moment for myself and my family. As you can imagine, uh, they all flew down to watch that one. Um, and we handled them pretty good. We handled them 3-0, yeah. yeah. slap, slap. He wasn't happy. He was just doing doggies the entire game, trying to chase after me, which is great time. Uh, and it was, you know, it was it was the right way to do it. And he even said after, he's like, you know what? Like, our team was definitely not as good as yours. And it would have been a bit of a bummer if I'd been the one that knocked you out and, and taking your chance at winning a national title because he knew his team was – a little far off of it. Um, they might have had a chance of making a run, but it was never going to really be a chance. Like we had a great opportunity. Um, so he was like, you know what, if it had to be me, it had to be me. But I was like, man, I would never have lived that down if I'd lost my younger brother in my last college game. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. So then when did you score? Cause I, I thought you had scored against them. Uh, so I didn't score goal. in that game. So we did, we, that was round of 32. And then we played sweet 16 against Michigan. So another big 10 school beat them. And then in the elite eight, we played UC Santa Barbara. So this was my last ever game at Sprite. So what happens is the final four college cup is all done at one venue. So I knew okay. no matter what, like we were a number one overall seed. So we were hosting all the way up to college cup. Yeah. Um, so I knew like, this is the elite eight, like no matter what we win or lose, this is my last game at Sprite stadium, uh, the stadium here at Wake Forest. So I was like, all right, you I got to send it off in a good way. There. 
yeah, it's it's a sweet stadium. I'll tell you what. And when it gets buzzing, this place, which I'm not tell you what, it's never been as loud as when. So in the Elite Eight, uh, we were struggling a little bit. We weren't having a great game, and and I kind of I got the ball, took a couple guys on, got a lot lucky, I'd say, um, and ended up scoring. So I scored my last game at Spry, and that place was shaking. Oh my goodness, we ended up winning one nil. So I scored the game okay. winner there, and that was some type of moment. It was the perfect send off for me. Um, in terms of that being your last game and, and playing in front of the crowd and everything, it was a pretty cool moment. Um, so yeah, especially as a senior captain, this is, this is everything you dreamed about. And now you're, you're going to the college cup. So uh, yeah. there's no complaints there for me. Playing in Wake Forest, you guys uh, are located in North Carolina. So you go from New York city. Like I, I, the Queens campus is where you were on in St. John's. Yeah. And I looked it up. It's about like 35, 40 minute drive from Times Square. And then you go from there into uh, Wake Forest, which is North Carolina. So you end up in two pretty solid places to play college sports. Which one, strictly from school uh, and soccer aside, which one would you say is like, was the better place to just go to school? Like go to, co- like be a student or a college athlete. I have to say, I'm going to have to go with Wake. I mean, New York City, I'll tell you what, oh my. If you're above 21 down there, you can have a lot of fun, but you better have a deep pocket because it ain't cheap up there at all, especially as a college yeah. student. But uh, I mean, Wake Forest was great. It's So the North versus the South is so different. Like the South, you really get into, now you're in football country, you know, like this is like, these are true, like Southern. When you think of the, when you grow up in Canada and you see those American colleges, you know, the ones like, this is exactly what Wake is, you know, the brick and mortar um just beautiful campuses tons of money you can just see it you're like wow like that's a place you want to be and and that's the great thing is like you go to a football game we're playing clemson you know you're playing like huge schools like duke unc these are all schools in our conference so i think as an athlete student athlete for sure it was it's got to be got to be and you can't you can't say no to the weather down here in in north carolina i mean tell you what after it's going to be a tough sell ever coming back to canada after living down here and now in nashville it's definitely a tough sell you mentioned nashville so i think we should get into kind of like your your foray from college to the pros and last year you were fortunate enough to be drafted 11th overall by nashville sc in the mls super draft what was that whole draft experience like tell you what i was nervous man i was going into my senior year i didn't even think i was going to get drafted i was looking at places to maybe play overseas you know try and get a trial somewhere um and as the season progressed um you know, it went well, but it still wasn't anything at the forefront of my mind. You know, it's just like, I was so focused. I'm like, Hey, let's win a national title. That's what we're all here for. Let's do it. This is our last chance. Um, so as soon as we got knocked out, I just remember like, crap, like I'm not a college athlete anymore. Like I'm done. Like that's, it was such a weird moment. And then, and then my agent called me, he's like, Hey man, like great news. Like everyone thought you played great in the NCAA tournament. You played great in the college cup. Like like we're looking at big, like a solid draft number. Cause I was thinking like, all right, maybe if I get drafted, the rumors I heard, like maybe second round, I was like, Hey man, if I get drafted, I'm going to be buzzing. Um, and then as time went on, so college cup was end of December, mid December and the drafts at the beginning of January. So those next couple of weeks, man, everything I heard was just like, no, now we're you're late first round. You know what? No, you're going to be around the 20 mark. And then it kept going up and up. And I was like, what's going on? Like, are they seeing something? Are they, what, what are they watching right now? Cause I'm just sitting at home. I'm not doing anything. Like, there's no way I could be selling myself any better than I am. So I was a little confused with that, but I was like, Hey man, like the higher I go, the better, like no complaints here. Um, so it was just a crazy day um, because I was the first year they did the draft virtually. Um, they sent up a whole camera crew to my house. They put uh, the MLS had a whole, like, yeah, whole camera crew in my basement videotaping my family and stuff. It was just weird. And I'm sitting there just sweating bullets, man. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is crazy, you know, for everyone else. Like I'll tell you what, watching drafts growing up, it was always so much fun. You're like, Oh, what's, who's my team going to take as a player. It sucks, man. Cause like, you're not sure. Like one pick it's Montreal. It's like, Oh, you're envisioning like, Oh man, I'm going to be in Montreal. Okay. What's my life. And like, what's their team. Then like, no, Montreal doesn't take you. They trade the pick. You're like, okay, I'm not going to Montreal who trade for the pick. It's like Nashville has now. You're like, like holy like now i'm thinking like nashville like it's so easy like within just split seconds it's like you can vision your life one place and you're like no you're on the other side of the of the continent it's it's crazy like that so i was by the end of it, i was like man just tell me where i'm going like yeah, i need to yeah. sleep you know i was just like i'm so over this i've been sweating bullets you know i just just let me know and i was really thankful you know nashville wasn't even on my board um where i was expecting to go because they're an expansion team they were select, uh, selecting second overall and i knew i wasn't going that high that's for sure um, but then they obviously weren't going to get their next pick till the beginning of the second round. 
And I've been told that I probably wasn't going to slide till then. So I was like, Nashville was one I hadn't even really thought about them or Miami because they were the two new teams. And I saw they traded up. I'm like, what's Nashville doing right now? And then they were like, my agent's like nudging me. I'm like, what? And I see his phone. It's like the GM from Nashville. He's like, yeah, we're going to take Alistair. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so that was, it was a pretty crazy moment. Because like, again, I was trying to envision like all the teams I could go to. Nashville wasn't even one of them. But that's that's what I'd say to anyone going to a draft. It's like, don't worry about that. Like, you're only going to dig yourself into a hole um, doing that kind of stuff. Just, just focus on what you can't control. And that is something that's so out of your reach. Um, so yeah, I mean, tell you what, I was, I was just excited to get down to preseason and get it started with Nashville. Yeah. I saw that uh, video today of the year, like draft recap and the whole like camera crews in your basement. There's like 40 people down there watching it live. It must've been pretty intense, even just like the actual, uh, like excitement and nervousness aside, you must have been like sweating. There were so many bodies oh. down there. Even I if you swear, weren't I was nervous, like, we need to get some like, fans. I'm like, God, we need yeah. to get some fans. We need to crank the AC. I was like, open up some windows yeah. or something. Like, this is was... gonna be my national TV debut. Like, exactly. for the MLS, and the... <laughs> I'm just sweating bullets down here. And the worst part was is that because it was Adidas is the MLS, so they sent up a package and they're like, yeah, like you need to wear this or this. So I was like, man, I have to wear this. I wasn't going to wear a gray Adidas t-shirt and you're going to see pit stand. I'm like, no chance. I'm wearing the black <laughs> yeah. sweater. Yeah. So, but now I got a black sweater on. I'm like, I can't even take this off. Cause I don't want anyone to see what the undershirt's like. Oh man. I was just like, as soon as my pick was taken, my camera crew, we're done. Get me out of here. I'm getting changed. Like, Oh, it was <laughs> luckily I went early enough. If I had to sit and sit in that spot for another hour, I wasn't going to be in a great place. I'll tell you that much. So I want to know, do they send like a whole bunch of, um, team packages to your house like shirts jersey hat scarf like whatever they send for when you get drafted like how does that work did you just have every mls team's like gear in front of you laid out so this was the funniest part of the whole draft this is the funniest part is so because it's being streamed we're a couple seconds behind like we're a minute or so behind and so there's a dude that works the mls and he's there and he has all the scars for all the teams and he lines them up like one through 30 what what the picks are going to be so as soon as and he's got a mic on so he knows he's like all right this guy's going with that pick all right then he takes that 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 scarf he's like all right you're not going to miami so like it hasn't even shown on the tv yet but i'm like all right i'm looking over at him i'm like okay so i'm not going to miami because that that scarf's gone now and the next one comes up and you keep seeing it and that was the craziest part about nashville is like because Nashville traded up to get me. They paid money yeah. to t- get my pick. So it was, I forget who it was who had the pick originally, but their scarf was there and they were like, oh, they're on the clock. And then all of a sudden the dude, the MLS dude, takes the scarf away and puts a Nashville one there. I'm like, I'm like bro, it's not Nashville taking, it's not Nashville <laughs> yeah. taking the pick right now. And then it comes on the screen, Nashville's traded. And I could see him going like, all right, everyone get ready. And I'm like, am I going? Like, is it me? Like, you know, so that was the coolest part is like, if you wanted to know what was actually going on, you had the foreshadowing. You just look over at the dude who's pulling the scarves. Like he, he knew everything before I knew it, which was like, it's just like, man, it's again, it just shows how out of control it is for you. Like as the player, like these dudes know exactly if I'm getting picked or not. They're not telling me anything because they want the reaction to be as realistic as possible. I'm like, man, just tell me, just tell me where I'm going. You know, it was one of those yeah. ones. So yeah, that's what they did. They had the scarves and they were doing the soft bruise all around. Weird. That's hectic. I can't imagine just kind of looking at the scarf guy, like fucking <laughs> yeah. your age. Like, yeah. There's so much going on. No, the whole time the camera's on me, but I'm, my eyes were over there doing yeah. that. I'm constantly just checking. I'm like, is it me? No? Okay. It's funny. <laughs> so you were supposed to play your uh, MLS um, debut in the MLS's back tournament in Florida, but you guys ended up pulling out because of COVID cases. Well, yeah. um, did that, that must have been tough, kind of expecting one thing, and then again, like, you're stuck like waiting, wondering what, what's going to happen. Is it, is it ever going to happen? So how did you deal with that delay and, and did it give you more time to develop? Um, I'll tell you what, I definitely developed from it, but I'll just touch quickly on that, uh, that MLS is back tournament. That was now, so we done our preseason five weeks long, a grind in February um, in March came in five weeks. two games. Yeah. It's, it's this year. It's going to be six weeks. No one's looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of running. It's a lot of all that, that fun stuff. So we've done that preseason, then two games, and then it shuts down. We're like, oh, are you kidding me? So we know, like, all right, everyone's going to lose their fitness, obviously, just because you're not. So we're going to have to do a whole other preseason. So after a couple months of the quarantine, then we started ramping it up. Preseason number two. All right. That wasn't fun either. It was a couple weeks only this time, but we were not happy. Um, so then we finally get down to this MLS's back tournament and instantly, like, first guy, first day, positive test. We're like, oh, no. They make a stay in our rooms. The next day, they, they test us in our rooms. Two more. The next day, three more. And at that point, you're like, is it going to be me next? 
So we ended up having like nine or 10 guys. I can't remember the exact number, but they pulled us out of the tournament, but we weren't allowed to leave. I mean, we're a team that potentially everyone has COVID on. So we were stuck in our rooms, our hotel rooms in Florida um, for another two weeks. I had no balcony. I couldn't even open up a window. So you're not allowed to leave, obviously. And if you left (laughs) and you had Nashville gear on, they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing out of your room? Like, you're not allowed out here. So we were stuck in there. I mean, you're looking out the window. You can see other teams walking in, going out to play games. And we're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, how boring could this get? Obviously, you're stuck in a hotel room. The most we could do is a Zoom workout. So you lose your cardio again. Great. So as soon as we leave there, we have to go back to Nashville quarantine after those two weeks. And then guess what? preseason again run it back and it was just like at that point everyone's like man we've done three preseasons and we've only played two <laughs> games in six months like everyone's like this is going to be the longest year ever so like if we have any more hiccups like man but i'll tell you what it it, it taught it, it really really brought our group together my team you know like we've been through some shit i'll tell you that much <laughs> like we'd seen some things um our, our season our inaugural season had not been easy at all but at the same time, I'll tell you what, COVID actually helped me to a degree, um, as weird as that sounds, because it let us have a lot of individual training sessions because they weren't letting us train as a team, um, as mm-hmm. large groups, just in case. So we're doing a lot of individual stuff. Um, and as the young guy, like I was the third string right back at the very beginning on the depth chart. So like when they're playing 11 v 11, like I'm not even necessarily getting in, you know, like th- there's two other right backs that are playing and that was the third string. So it's like me and the rookies, you know, kind of on the other field doing things. You get 10 minutes, you get 10 minutes, you're lucky. Um, so it was nice to be able to do these individual training sessions in front of the coaches, you know, really earn their trust and show them that, yay, yeah, I can play. I, I got something, you know, I had, I have these young legs and you can use them. Like I can run, I can do something at least. So that was nice for me. I'll tell you what, it really paid, paid dividends when uh, we finally restarted our season for good. And I got subbed on the very first game. Um, and then after that I started and didn't really, didn't really stop starting until I got a red card, but you know, that, yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was going through the game sheets. I saw I was like, just didn't play or something. I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> hey, that, but, hey, that's the trivia. That's the first first ever Nashville red card. That that is your boy here. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty first cool. First and pretty the cool only one that. this year. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. I'll take that one in my grave as well. Yeah, yeah. So you uh, you get subbed on in that first game, August twelfth. You made your debut in the MLS, and four days later, you get the start. What kind of transpired in those four days to lead to you actually being able to be named a starter? Like you said, you went from third string on the depth depth chart to being subbed into the game, and now you're starting in the MLS. Like what what went on there? Uh, I mean, our coaching staff's kind of old school in a lot of ways. It's like, hey, especially as a defender, like we're not going to play you unless you have experience. Um, and that was that's always been like a big thing. So as soon as I kind of got those minutes, they're like, you know what, hey, like he's now played pro minutes. Like he can start. It was almost like kind of one of those things. It's like, you know what? We seen him out there that they put me out there for 30 minutes when I got subbed on. They're like, yeah, he can, he's more than capable of handling himself out there. Like, yeah, let's give him a go again. It almost was kind of like that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was, it, yeah, it was weird. Uh, four days later. And then I finally got, I actually started that first game. I played out of position. I played on the wing and I, that was right. one of the worst performances I ever put in on the wing. <laughs> I did nothing. I mean, I was just, I'm playing a winger as a right back. I mean, I'm defensive minded in the first place. I was like, I'm just going to go out there and work my balls off. You know, it's just one of those things. I'm just running up and down. But uh, I remember I've never subbed. I've never asked for a sub in a game. But that game, I was so tired, man. It was like 65th minute. I looked at the bench. I was like, I got nothing left. Because like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, yeah, exactly. Like when you go to the next level, um, each level, it just gets faster. And And I have to say, like going to your first pro game, like obviously I knew I was going to, I was going to give her everything, of course. And I was like, man, this game is fast. These guys are big. They're athletic. Like, I'm exhausted. Like, and, and that was kind of the – but that was the feeling. I, I knew it was going to happen. Like, I hadn't played a game in now, uh, like, six months or so because um, of all COVID and everything. And I knew my match fitness wasn't necessarily going to be where it needed to be at that point. Um, so, yeah, then after that, though, I kind of got the start and at right back. And uh, I locked it down. And we had a really good – defensive unit I, I was actually playing beside the center back was uh named uh defensive player of the year so yeah. I, I guess you could say you know maybe i helped him win that award maybe <laughs> yeah but more or less <laughs> he he cleaned up any of the messes i made which was really nice um he's a bit of a freak um he's the u.s men's national team center back he's a bit of a beast so it was nice playing beside him he made my life a lot easier as a rookie for sure actually cool fact is that the Nashville Predators had uh, Roman Yossi win the Norris Trophy Defenseman of the Year and Nashville SC had uh, 
had a, the defender who won the defender of the year. So you guys both yeah. cleaned up on the defensive end that year. That's pretty cool, actually. I don't know yeah. if that's ever happened before. <laughs> it's kind of I'm like an sure obscure statistic, but yeah, and it was, I saw them. You know there you go. Is before the season, we actually went to a Preds game, and there's a picture I have, and Walker Zimmerman, who's the guy who won Defense Player of the Year, yeah. him and Yossi exchanged jerseys at yeah. the end of the year before they knew it was going to happen. It was crazy. Like, no, nah, but Yossi's a great guy, too. I got to meet him, super chill, loves his soccer, too. Like, that's the cool thing about all the hockey guys is a lot of them are – a lot of the guys, like, from Finland, Sweden, they're like, we're huge soccer fans. Like, we'd love to come out to the game. Like, just let us know. And I'm – and all of us, our guys are like, what is hockey? And I'm like, I'm a huge hockey fan. Like, get me out <laughs> yeah. of the whatever you can, you know? It's it's a good it's a good little trade-off there. So it was pretty cool. I'm a Canucks fan. So I got to meet Dan Ham here. She was down there. Um, no, it was pretty cool. It's, I, I mean, I, yeah, grew up, grew up playing hockey. So it was weird. And I love to try and get the guys out in the ice and see what they got. And it's, it's not a high level, I can tell you that much. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was super cool to meet the Preds and – and yeah, again, what a crazy, crazy freak kind of stat that is. They both won defensive players of the year in their respective leagues. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, that And uh, yeah, I saw that picture of like the two of them in the locker room. So kind of cool how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, one last kind of thing here about just playing for uh, Nashville. You guys play against TFC in the playoff round and TFC, your hometown team. I'm not sure if you had grown up rooting for TFC, but what was it like getting to play against them? Obviously it's too bad. You didn't play in Toronto. It was in Hartford because that's where they were playing out of no fans, but still just the idea of playing against Toronto FC and then knocking them out. How cool was that for you? I'll tell you what, there, there's always been a bit of bad blood between me and TFC. You know, they, they didn't ever, they never wanted me when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those ones like, yeah, man, oh, I'd love to knock out TFC. And it's funny because the left back, Dan Lovitz, he played at TFC um, his first couple of years in the league and then he ended up leaving. Um, so he also had some bad blood against TFC. He was like, yeah, we're going to get these guys. And I was like, man, I would love that. There's no better scalp I want on my mantelpiece than the TFC <laughs> one. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was hilarious because like obviously all my friends back home are going to support TFC. Like that's, that's your team. You know, it's, it's your hometown team. But I was like, nah, guys, like, I'm sorry. Um, we want this one bad. And I'll tell you what we played. That was one of our best games of the year. Um, and I think TFC at deep down, they, they weren't too mad. You know, they'd, they'd been stuck down in Hartford for a couple months. They're living out of a hotel, um, which was tough for them. I know that night was cold, man. Oh my. But, uh, they, I think they were ready. I mean, they had a great team, some unbelievable players on that squad. Um, they, uh, they got some big names, but yeah, no, it was, it was such a great performance. And, exactly the team that I wanted to beat my first year you know you couldn't have scripted that any better if I could have picked one team to knock out of the playoffs they were the ones um and yeah no it was it was a great performance because you know what I knew everyone was watching back home um yeah I was watching that game yeah I was like Alistair if there's any game to actually show up for it it, this (laughs) this would be the one you know yeah so now that you're in the MLS is is there is this kind of where you want to be professionally or do you kind of hope to make those steps to to move overseas what do you see for yourself um, in the future? Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with how my first year went here in Nashville. Um, you know, this league continues to grow, which is a great sign for kids growing up everywhere in North America. You know, like this is a viable league. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're going to the 2026 World Cup that's going to be hosted here in North America between Canada, uh, the U.S. and Mexico. And, you know, we're really hoping to, to build off that and continue to to grow this league. Um, So, you know, it's one of those ones. Do I want to try overseas? Of course. Um, I think that's kind of every player's dream growing up. And I'm lucky that I have a European passport. Um, Thanks to my mom being born in Northern Ireland. Uh, Shout out my mom there, but I'll tell you what, you know, it's something that as a young player and I always, I'm a huge Manchester United fan. I watch all the games overseas, you know, it would definitely be a bit of a dream come true if I got the opportunity to, but at the same time, you know, I love my time in Nashville and and I love this group. And, you know, if, if all things went according to plan, you know, I would love to stay in Nashville my entire career and kind of go down as a club legend, you know, if, if that was possible, yeah. you know, there's, there's no denying that that would be a great outcome as well. You know, I see it as like either way, you know, I, I'm going to enjoy myself and, and hopefully have a great long career. And if that's in Nashville or in the MLS, all the best. And if I get the opportunity to go overseas, then I'd love to take it. You know, it's, it's one of those ones. So with Nashville, um, you've kind of been pretty open about doing media content, social, like social content for them. I looked through, I watched like you did, I think two vlogs for them of the day in the life of a pro soccer player. 
Um, it's, I think they call it life off the pitch vlogs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one of the, the first thing I saw you do was you were like the weatherman. So you had <laughs> your hood up mask on at this time. It's pissing rain. And you like went over to the social media person and told them that the game was postponed. And then again, it happened. And it was actually pretty funny in the other one. You were like, Hey guys, if you're seeing me, you know what this means. Like the game's been <laughs> delayed. Like this is a bad sign. Um, have you always been pretty open to social media and comfortable with that? Or was this something that came new once you came to Nashville and you realized like, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm comfortable. I like doing this. Um, I think you could ask anyone that knows me well, is that it's tough to get me to close my mouth and just shut up for once. So they, they realized that pretty quick once they got to know me. And once I got, got around the guys that I was a pretty big personality. Um, so I was a pretty easy choice for them, I think. And, and once they did it once the weatherman definitely kind of stuck. Um, and you know, I have good fun with it. You know, it's, it's great. You know, it helps my brand too. And yeah. it's good to have, you know, that interaction with the fans and I think the fans love it as well. So it's always been fun. And I've never been one that's camera shy. I, I love doing podcasts like this. Uh, you know, I love just talking and, and, uh, giving people some insight into my life, uh, what I've been through and, you know, like what the life is like of a pro soccer player. Um, so that's always been something that's really cool. And I've been super excited, you know, to do that kind of stuff for uh, Nashville. And I'm happy that they, they love to select me to do those things. And also it's like, Hey, this guy's the rookie, like whatever we tell him he's going to do, he's not going to turn us down. You ask one of the big name guys that <laughs> yeah. on the big money, they're going to go, no, I'm not doing a vlog. Alistair. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. Of course. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. they have a little, they, they know what they're doing as well, but I would never turn down that stuff no matter what, no matter what year in the league I am. So, yeah, yeah, I try to just enjoy it and, and uh, you know, give some good insight because I just see it as like, man, I'm still a fan of the game. Like, like there's nothing I like more than, you know, really getting to know what are those guys in the team that you support really like? Like, what is life like to them? Like, are they good dudes? Like, are they funny? Like, what is a typical day like? And I think, like, if I can have any type of – like, if I can show that to my fans and to show that to the Nashville SC fans and MLS fans around – um, the country, you know, like all the better. That's what I kind of see it as is because as a fan, that's exactly what I'd want. As a, as like a hockey fan, I feel like there's like not that much of it in hockey. Yeah. Anyway. So actually, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to uh, see that like, it, it's kind of trending upwards. Um, and I'm the same way. Like everybody likes kind of getting to know what their, their favorite athletes are like as human beings mm -hmm. away from the pitch off the ice, whatever the case may be. And speaking of cool, or potentially you could, you could make the transition and not only doing it for the club, but doing it nationally. As you recently returned from Canada's national team camp, what was it like, one, getting the invite to that camp and, and just being able to potentially represent your country on a national level? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the call that I think everyone grows up uh, wanting, just wanting that call, no matter what sport you play, if you get the chance as a Canadian kid to go and uh, put on the Canadian jersey of any type, I, I think it's, it's one of the coolest moments, um, especially for someone like me who'd never got to represent Canada at a, at a youth level. Um, it was definitely something It's like, wow, like I've really kind of gritted my teeth and, you know, I've, I've done my work and, you know, it's just like, it's nice to see that they're watching and they know who you are and, and they see you as a valuable part potentially of that roster of that national team. And, and I think that'll be the coolest moment. Like it's going to be hard to top that no matter what I do in my club career, just getting the opportunity to put on the, the Canadian Jersey, pull that over pull it over your head will be definitely one of the coolest moments. Um, and from all the guys that I've talked to, all my friends who have gotten the opportunity already to play, it's just like, that's their number one shining moment. You know, like that's the one, like I'll never forget that one. So yeah, getting that call and just hearing that was, you know, it's euphoria, I guess a little bit would be the easiest way to say it. Just like relief. Um, it's just a cool moment. You're like, man, like I might get the opportunity to really represent my country. And I think, yeah, as a child kid growing up in Canada, that was, that was always the main thing that I wanted to do at some point was uh, get to wear the, wear the Canadian crest on my Jersey at one point. That's awesome. All right. So before we wrap up here, we put out on our Instagram poll. Uh, if anybody had any questions for, uh, for you, Alistair. So we have some write-in questions and we picked some of like our, our favorite ones that we want to get into. Um, so I'll start it off. The first, one of the ones that we got in here Um what is the softest or like the worst chirp that you've ever heard on the soccer field? Man, I'll tell you what, there, there's definitely been some pretty poor ones. Um, but most of the ones are when they speak in a different language and they think you're not going to understand it. 
and those are always my favorite. Like they see me and it's like, all right, some random Caucasian, you probably American. And like the French guys will try and say something and then I'll go back to them and I'll pretend and I'll just look at them and I'll say a swear word back at them in French. And they go, yeah. and it's so funny. They're like, Oh wait, he understands this. Holy crap. Like it's, it's always a funny one like that. I'm trying to think what's the worst chirp. You know, I honestly growing up playing hockey and soccer, I used to talk a lot as I've gone to the, to the league now though. Like I know I'm like, I'm like the lowest paid dude in the league. I'm the youngest guy in the league. Like, you know, and I kind of need to work my way up to really start talking. So I don't normally start talking unless they have a go at me. If they have a go at me, then I'll give some back, but I haven't heard too many terrible ones yet, but I think the funniest ones are definitely when they speak in a different language and they think you don't know it. And then you just come back with something and you, they're just faced. They're like, Oh no. Like, wow. We, we under, we undervalue this guy. This guy's got something. So those are always funny. The next one we have here is, uh, have you ever seen Miley Cyrus or anyone famous in Nashville? Um, you know what? I have to get back to you once this pandemic shuts, uh, really kind of comes to an end. Um, we haven't been able to get out too much, but from what I've heard, Nashville is a pretty lively um, place for the celebrities too. Um, I've driven by some of their, their places down in Nashville. And I'll tell you what, these guys live in nice down there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, probably the biggest dude i've met so far is probably roman yossi which is okay. still a pretty big name yeah, not a bad one <laughs> and i'll tell you what guys he this dude is like the mayor him and derrick henry are like the mayors of nashville like these guys you see them like they're cool dudes too like roman yossi always like a leather jacket or something with his girl on his arm <laughs> you're like everyone's like man that's a roman yossi you're like yeah that is and then obviously derrick henry an absolute beast for the titans the running back um and he's a pretty noticeable dude too if you see a you see a deep freezer walking down the street, like, you know, to get out of his way. Cause <laughs> yeah. He's built like a semi truck. Um, but those, that's probably the coolest dude I've met so far, but I'll have to update you guys once the pandemic kind of, you know, goes away, you know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully soon. Well, um, do you like country really music? Experience it. You know, I didn't love it, but it, it's grown on me, uh, <laughs> but it's good. The, all the bars down there, you know, they'll play country on like the first floor and then more like hip hop on the, on the upper floor, yeah. which is always good. Um, but yeah, no, it's grown on me for sure. Uh, my roommate too, he's, he's big into the country. So, so he's tried to, to push me into it. And, you know, I've gotten a little bit, a little bit into, you know, Morgan Wall and some of those guys, you know, I can get behind some of that, some, some of that kind of country stuff, but uh, still not my go-to genre, yeah, I would okay. say. Okay. All right. And then uh, last of the fan questions that we selected here. Um Hopefully you don't take this one in any kind of disrespectful way, but I think it's something that people have noticed, which I think it, at this point, it's more of just a funny thing that I notice in professional soccer at any level. And this Here person wants to know, is there something in the water that they bring out to players on the field when they get hurt that makes them recover so quickly? Cause Dude, I know a lot of people spray. say it's like, yeah, it's the magic, magic water spray, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, most of those injuries extremely tactical not as much a painful thing um because you know like hey if i need to stop this counterattack, the biggest one though is if you have a head injury they have to kick the ball out of play they have to stop it um so a lot of times if you're faking that one it's like all right like you better have a head injury but a lot of the guys yeah. like they see a counterattack or something or like they're realizing like we're in a bit of trouble here like we need to stop this game down um it's so tactical just that you know hey ah, my hamstring my hamstring or something and everyone knows and i'll tell you what it works to a degree because if you can just cut the game for just a minute or two and just you know kind of stop that momentum i'll never do it being a canadian growing up like, <laughs> yeah you can't get away with that you can't get away with diving or faking an injury and i've never once dove to try and earn a foul or anything or faked an injury um yeah you really wouldn't get away with that growing up back in Canada. oh my goodness but i'll tell you what the latin influence is a little different um in soccer so there might be something special in that water. Might be something, but uh, I'm not sold on it yet. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't think your friends would let you uh, get away with that either. Yeah. Yeah. No, my phone would be blowing up. It'd be like I would have thought how my phone looked. I'd won the World Cup, but no, they would just be ripping me for. They. I tell you what, my friends. I can barely be called them friends. The stuff that I get from them sometimes it's hilarious. It's like I have a great game, and they're like all have taken a Snapchat of me having an absolute laugh at one point in the match. They're like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "You know what?" Like. Let me live a little. Yeah. That's what friends are for, huh? Exactly. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this and coming on and sharing a little bit about your journey and how you've come from youth soccer, battled against uh, 
being the small guy all the way up through to getting to division one and playing on the number one ranked school in the nation, leading the team as the captain to the final four. And then being the 11th overall pick in the, uh, the MLS super draft to now being a legitimate starter in professional soccer. So congratulations for that. And thanks for taking us on the, taking us on this journey with you. No, I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you got to let us know whenever you're uh, in Nashville and see some celebrities. Oh, don't worry. I'll send you guys some pictures. Yeah, I'll yeah, give you a good guess. I'll take a quick one. All right, guys. I'm Thank real. you. Thanks for right, joining man. us, Thank you for taking the time. Appreciate good luck it. the rest of uh, with next season. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you later. All right. You want to just wrap it up? Sure. Right. What an incredible interview. I mean, like we were, we were kind of talking amongst ourselves, Philly, after Alistair left. Just what a, what a well-spoken guy. From the moment he came on the interview, just he he meant business, really delivered, super super fired up with that interview, yeah. uh, and it was it was great to have him on. Yeah, it was really exciting to get to hear from him. And as he mentioned, kind of at the very beginning, I played soccer with him when I was like eight years old. Um, if you actually think about that team, I was the goal, I was the goalie, and then I shared the net with uh, Jared Brown. Jared Brown, we went to Bill Crothers with, but he ended up playing Division One soccer as a goalie. Alistair goes on. We on that team, we also had Cam Morrison, who played at Notre Dame for hockey and is playing with I'm pretty sure it's with Chicago Blackhawks now. And then uh there's a couple other guys like Matt Menno was on that team who played in the OHL as a goaltender and stuff. So there's a bunch of bunch of athletes on that team. Like, I don't know. Yeah. My goalie partner would pl- ended up playing division one. So who knows? Maybe if I kept playing soccer, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's something in the water in the uh in your own soccer community. Yeah, the but, uh, age group. it was it was pretty cool to get to have him on. I've been following his career all the way along. I know he like him and I will like shoot back and forth a couple like every now and then just to see what's going on and like reach out and congratulate him on doing all these different things in his career. So it was pretty cool to get to catch up with him and hear about that. So yeah, yeah, and and the uh, just the casual economics degree from Wake Forest to boot. <laughs> in case his career wasn't there. enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So I think there's just, we're just going to keep going from here. Like if there's just so much diversity in the content we're bringing everybody and I could not be more excited. Like I, it, this has just been so enjoyable. Yeah, it has been, man. It's been an absolute treat. Just, just getting to see your face every week and, and <laughs> bring the content through. I really like how we're, we're talking about everything and anything, having yeah. listeners on to join us, give their two cents. We've been a part of the people, but even more so as of late, which is which is a cool thing, and we'll definitely keep that we keep that going as long as you guys uh, are willing to, to share your input and let us know when we're wrong, when we're right. But yeah, it, it's it's dude, it's so much fun. Yeah, so just thanks for all the support. Yeah, well, that about does it for episode sixty-six, the Mario Lemieux episode. Nobody else could beat him. Like that's just no, point blank, no. Mario, done yeah. for. But yeah, that's all she wrote for episode sixty-six, McGee. That's all she wrote. Great interview. More big things to come. We'll catch you guys next week. Same time, same place, same lawn chairs. Cheers, lads and ladettes. Cheers. Cheers.